Hi, I'm Lizzie, here with my friend Andrea, and we're your hosts for Letting It Percolate. Just as the best tasting coffee takes time to percolate, some of life's most interesting and important questions take time to truly explore. And that's what we're going to do today. So, Andrea, what's the question today? The question we're covering today is, should we condemn or praise singleness? And... Yeah, we're excited to dive into this. Uh, To kick us off, as I was doing some background research on this topic, I stumbled upon an article from the Wall Street Journal called The Art of Being Single by Elizabeth Bernstein. And um, one of the just statistics that she gave in the article was that in 2017, 48% of adult Americans were fell into the category of divorced, never married, or widowed, which basically equates to singleness. So 48% of adult Americans in 2017 were single. And uh, I found that kind of striking. It seemed a little high, Mm -hmm. maybe higher than I would have guessed. But I think it kind of speaks to the relevance of this topic of singleness for a lot of us. Um, Mm -hmm. also in my research, and I think Lizzie, you mentioned this too, we both started to see this attitude. Sometimes it was subtle, but sometimes it was a little bit more bold of needing to defend singleness for people who maybe are more on the praising singleness end of the spectrum. There seemed to be this underlying theme of there's something about singleness that we need to protect or advocate for or stand up for. And that kind of led us to this question of what's going on there that we mm-hmm. think we need to defend singleness. Um, is it being attacked from the other side? Are people insecure about singleness? Uh, yeah, it kind of led to these kinds of questions. So yeah, uh, yeah, that kind of kicks off where this idea for the podcast episode came from. Yeah, and. Obviously, there's a lot there. Like, as soon as you ask, like, have, are there people who criticize, like, people who are single or um, are there elements of, or parts of society who are um, harsh toward single people or make people who are single feel bad? Like, the answer is, like, yes. (laughs) And there's so, (laughs) obviously. Um, But there, and there's just so much there to unpack between, like, different subcultures and, how we view like singleness and marriage and what happens in both of those like whether you're single or married or or yeah so well going off of that like so for people who maybe fall into the realm of a more negative attitude or approach towards singleness what are some of the stereotypes that you've heard um Mm. from people with those beliefs Yeah, Um, I think a lot of it comes from less of like an intentional wanting to hate on people who are single and more from a like over glorification of marriage and Mm. so therefore feeling like, oh, if you're single, you're like incomplete or you aren't like able to contribute to like society and families in the same way as a married person um or maybe there's something wrong with you if you're single (laughs) maybe like middle-aged and you're single 
Um, I know, like, myself, I'm, <laughs> I would not assume that I have those views, but sometimes I, I find myself slipping into thinking about those stereotypical things like oh why is this person still single and it's like why am I thinking that like I don't (laughs) want to think that and I'm aware that like being single is a perfectly valid way to live (laughs) and there's many reasons for it um and I'm single (laughs) and so like oh yeah and that (laughs) (laughs) but I say that on both of our behalves by the way (laughs) it just speaks to the like I think the depth of that stereotype and that message that society Mm. I think Christian circles but also American society at large in in many ways just like promotes marriage to the exclusion of singleness being a viable valid way to live Hmm. you know I can remember (laughs) I don't know if you've experienced this I can remember in my first job out of college talking to Hmm. one of my coworkers and he was in a relationship and I shared like, oh, I'm, I'm not like dating anyone and I'm just single. And he kind of like did this, oh, so you're single and ready to mingle thing. (laughs) And I was like, no, (laughs) like, like there was this kind of assumption that if someone's single, Mm. they're waiting for that, like, like they're eager and ready for that opportunity to be in a relationship and at that point in my life, and to be honest, a lot of points in my life, that is not where I've been at. And mm. it does frustrate me when someone hears that and then thinks, oh, well, like, you're you're just waiting, hoping that your next relationship is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. And and that's not true. In fact, uh, when going back to that Wall Street Journal article, I remember they broke down within that 50% roughly of people who are single, how many, what percentage were wanting to be in some kind of relationship, including casual dating, and what percent weren't. And it was actually a 50-50 split. Like half of the people Mm. who are adult singles don't want to be in a relationship right now. And I find that interesting and kind of noteworthy too, Mm -hmm. as far as assumptions go. Right, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of assumptions, like you said, and also feeling misunderstood um, Mm. within singles. (laughs) Not that I'm some sort of spokesperson (laughs) by any means, but... um... I, Wizzy, as a representative (laughs) of the singles of the world. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think going back to just the stereotypes and messaging from culture, like big overarching culture and also culture within certain groups and obviously like I'm you and I don't know the ins and outs of how every subculture and subgroup in America like views singleness because we don't have like full access to those but there's just a lot of variation there I feel like Mm. um you mentioned this a little while back the the role of marriage and the degree to which it's glorified does seem to have an impact on how singleness is perceived. Um, Would you say, can you think of any like subcultures or categories, I guess, of people that you're a part of where marriage is elevated or you've seen it glorified to a certain extent? Yeah, I think the most the biggest 
um, response to that that just, like, jumps out in my mind would be, like, certain Christian um, circles. Um, And it's hard because it's, like, such a nuanced thing because it's not as if marriage... It's not as if anyone's trying to say marriage is bad. (laughs) Um, At least in these Christian... Like, there's a... There's good reason to elevate marriage and to promote, like, hey, like, go find someone to build a life with and have a family. Um, But I think that that can become, like, promoted, like I said, just to an extreme level um, in a way where it's just, like, unhealthy and, like, an, Mm. an idol and an end in and of itself. Like, once you're married, then, like then you can really live um or then your real life can begin uh, <laughs> we have definitely have disney princess movies to thank for that message as well <laughs> <laughs> true dad <laughs> so yeah it's not just christian or certain christian cultures it's it's also in like broader society but it's also more nuanced too because there are and i know you've talked about this there are some churches that are growing a lot and being very nuanced in how they talk about singleness and marriage and not elevating marriage beyond what it should be and being intentional to include single people and make them feel welcome and valued in church um so that's encouraging to see because i've Mm. i think that is a little bit more rare but becoming more um it's happening more which is good yes i i would agree i'm I might share a little bit more about that later, but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, especially in the past, I don't know, I'd probably say the past year, like roughly since I began attending a certain church, I've seen a lot of um, more positive and like non-extreme views of marriage, and I appreciate that. Um, You know, one thing I, sorry, this is like a little tangent but one thing that I've heard a lot of people in Christian circles say specifically parents of daughters is Hmm. oh we've prayed for your future husband or we're praying for your future husband until the day that you meet him Mm. Uh, or things like oh well it didn't work out honey but he just wasn't the one and God has someone and you just have to keep praying and those are not true statements Mm. Um, there there is no (laughs) There is no guarantee in the Bible that anyone will have a spouse. And in fact, as we see in the life of Jesus and the life of Paul, singleness is um, like strongly encouraged and exhorted at certain places in the Bible, Mm -hmm. which that's not to say it's elevated above um, marriage, although, yeah, depending on how you interpret Paul. some of Paul's writings. <laughs> okay, so there is there's some nuance and some... Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's also contextual, too. Like, yes. who you're talking to, what... Yeah. Yeah. There is some um, liberty there with different mm-hmm. authors, but um, I, I think that mindset of every woman has a future husband and she just has to wait to like (laughs) encounter him i think that's set us up as single people for some of the that feeling of being broken or like we're missing something because it's this implicit message that's been 
taught again i'm not i don't want to generalize by any means but mm-hmm. in some christian circles uh that has been taught so i don't yeah, know i just i find yeah. that interesting and i think about sometimes if i am a mom in the future how would i um and i'll, I'll also say this like my own mother did not say these things mm-hmm. um but i think having heard them from other parents I would approach it differently if I have a daughter in the future. Mm. So, Yeah, I have mixed feelings because on one hand, I think praying for your daughter's future husband is like a good thing because statistically speaking, <laughs> it's, likely, <laughs> it's likely that she'll have a partner in the future. And like, that's a beautiful thing to pray like for not for maybe not for it to happen but just for the person um that it she would be with mm-hmm. um so that's i can understand that the you know, whether or not you talk about it with your daughter uh i think i don't know where i stand on that i'm not in a position to have kids anytime soon so <laughs> <laughs> but the i always have like a, a weird feeling when people tell me like that I will get married because mm. I'm like, I really want to have access to whatever like certain knowledge you have access to right now. Cause I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Like I can't see the future and I don't think you can. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I appreciate the heart behind it. Cause yeah, like yeah. I do, I would like to get married and um, that, that can coexist with being sing- single and, um, I don't know, just, I think people sometimes feel awkward or, like, don't know what to say, and they want to, like, make you feel better, or maybe it's sometimes it's coming from even more of a, like, pure place. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, in effect, it does feel always a little strange, because I'm like, you don't actually know the future. Right. And I, you know... I appreciate that comment because I think there's a way to receive um, statements like that with grace and appreciate the sentiment behind it without maybe in the moment, as might be my tendency, to, like, call out, that's not a true thing (laughs) that you just said. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I think that's helpful even for me to hear, like, how can we have a gracious approach toward those kinds of statements, knowing that we probably make our own versions of those statements in other contexts and people are gracious with us too. So yeah. Yes. Amen. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) I certainly make those kind of like declarations in in other contexts. I just don't realize it (laughs) because no one calls me out. (laughs) Sometimes I think it's a good thing we can't read people's minds. (laughs) Yes. I would hate that. To, all, to everyone who wants to read people's minds as a superpower when people ask that icebreaker question, I don't understand you. <laughs> Why would you ever want to read someone's mind? Oh, I would hate that. And I'm a therapist, so you'd think you know, that'd be useful, but no, I would hate that. <laughs> uh, any hoodles. So <laughs> going back to um, marriage and singleness. Uh, there was one thing I wanted to chime in on a little bit outside of just like a Christian subculture view of marriage, but this was a trend that 
someone in a podcast that we both listen to, uh, often gospel bound podcast, Mm -hmm. someone who was, uh, speaking on that shared these two models of marriage that he's kind of seen trending just amongst, I think it was millennials. I don't know specifically. Um, his name's Mark Rignaris and he wrote a book called the future of Christian marriage. But again, this was outside of just Christian circles. So there's the capstone model of marriage, which perceives marriage as kind of like this optional icing on the cake. The idea is you start by accomplishing these different rungs on the ladder for yourself. So that might be graduating from college, getting a job, um, getting an apartment, maybe even putting a down payment on a house, getting to a place where you're comfortable in your career, a a city that you could see yourself settling down in, and then when, oh yeah, and paying off debt. That was a big one. Mm-hmm. And um, when you when you finally get there and you arrive, then you may start to consider marriage. And he even suggested some people might see the rungs as requirements to be an attractive marriage partner, to have mm-hmm. those other things in place, which I found interesting. And then he contrasted that with the foundational model of marriage, which I associate more with like my grandparents' generation, um, where they may have gotten married right out of high school or maybe part of the way through college, um, possibly didn't have, like, steady jobs at the time, maybe had a lot of debt, um, likely didn't own a house, probably still living in an apartment, or maybe even in some cases with their parents. But this idea of They're kind of working through and molding a life together as one unit versus two separate and pretty established entities that are then coming together later Mm. when they feel like they're ready for it. And I found both of those interesting and I definitely, especially as I think back on my time in business school and would talk to people who were dating, I was surprised sometimes that they would say, oh, I'm, I'm really not thinking about marrying this person for, like, five, I don't know, five, eight more years. Um, I kind of want to, like, get into my career, figure out where I want to be, and then we'll talk about it. And, mm. yeah, so I just, I definitely have witnessed firsthand the capstone. And I see some of that in myself, too. Like, let me get all my ducks in a row, and then maybe I'll be ready to think about marriage. Mm. Yeah, those are... Obviously, those aren't, like, the only two ways, like uh, you've said before. Like, these are not the only two sure. models for, like, what marriage means and looks like. But ve- I think it's a f- fairly comprehensive, um, like, just two options. Um, I think one question that this, like, these two models raise is what does it mean to be ready for marriage? Mm. And what even is marriage? Obviously, it's, like, the union of two, two people, but... Um, beyond like the substance of it like what what is it and when are you ready for it I think are more profound questions that mm. I just I don't know how well we all like meaning millennial I'll just speak for our generation <laughs> millennials <laughs> uh, I don't know how well we've been like prepared to contend with marriage and deciding when you know if you're with someone if you're dating someone how to know when you're ready for that next step um because i think there's a lot of fear i can understand fear um from the 
to enter into like that foundational model of like, yeah, we're going to tie the knot right down. We don't really have a solid plan. Well, maybe you have a plan, but you don't have anything marked off on it yet. And you're, now you're bound to someone, <laughs> which is like a <laughs> negative way to look at it. But I can understand that fear. You're my ball and chains, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, you know, uh, oh, no, go ahead. I, I don't want to take this too existential, but Please I do. think even beyond the question, like, when are you ready for marriage is, is anyone ever ready for marriage? Mm. Like, is, is, does there even exist a threshold when someone is mature enough or um, self-sacrificing enough? or humble enough to be married. Like, I don't Mm. know. I wonder what married couples would say. Like, do they feel that they were ready for marriage? (laughs) Would they have delayed it? Do they think there was any way that they could have prepared themselves for marriage Mm. that they didn't already do? Dang, Mm. we should have had (laughs) a guest host of a married couple (laughs) on this show. Yeah, I, I, I feel like... You're never going to be, it depends. The other question that the the even bigger, like, philosophical question is what does ready mean in this context? Because Mm -hmm. I I agree with what you're getting at of, like, no one's ever going to be, like, arrived in terms of I'm, like, the good best version of myself that will enter into the best, most healthy, effective partnership with another human. Like, (laughs) that's never, you're never going to arrive because we're broken people. Um, and so, so the answer is like, you're never going to be ready in the way we typically use ready, but I think there's create, there's, um, legitimacy to, there are things you can do to be better prepared, Mm. um, or more ready. And how much of that should, I guess the question is like, how much of that to do before saying now we're, now we can get married. So, man. (laughs) If you can't cook your own food and do your own laundry, there's going to be problems in that marriage. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So that was kind of a... That was an interesting tangent on marriage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that segues nicely into, like, we were going to talk about... I think loneliness is a often-cited, like, issue, quote-unquote, with singleness interestingly Mm. enough people married people can feel lonely too um in talking with friends who are married or older people in my life who are married like that's just a fact but sticking with the particular type of loneliness that single people can experience um do you what thoughts do you have about that andrea and what what impact that may have with how people feel about being single or how society feels about people being single. Hmm. Um, I think this is kind of basic, but it is, um, I say this with very little experience and having (laughs) this kind of a relationship, but it is nice to have someone to go to as a default who you know, like, has your best interests in mind, Mm -hmm. and that wouldn't be bothered by you calling them at any point during the day, 
uh, to talk. And I, you know, I have those kinds of relationships and I'd say my mom is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel like you're one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, yeah, there's, they're kind of few and far between. And so I think there is a loneliness there. Um, maybe in seasons yeah, where yeah. even those people who normally would be really close seem distant for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, there's a loneliness, a loneliness and feeling like, I should probably keep my thoughts to myself. I don't even mm. know if there's someone out there who would want to hear me process through this right now. So I've, yeah, I've experienced that definitely. Yeah. Can you think of any circumstances where you've really felt lonely or experienced loneliness? Yeah, I would echo that last thought that you shared of just having like something you want to process through or like you're thinking about or you experience something and then having the thought like I don't actually know if I like anyone would choose to be burdened by this right now like if (laughs) I should reach out to anyone because it is like exactly the thing that you were getting at with like how it's nice and again it's coming from someone who's not been married (laughs) um but nice to have that person where um it's maybe just more like convenient like you Mm -hmm. don't have to plan and reach out like I am so blessed to have amazing friends including you um and family members who I can talk to but it's all it's always like reaching out and then there's always that thought of like well does this person like can this person handle this right now or like am I burdening Mm -hmm. them and maybe I should just like keep this to myself, which is like one of the most painful thoughts for me because I like I'm an external processor and I <laughs> I like people. Um, but yeah, I have that that thought too, and that can be hard. Um, I, and it's interesting though, because even like when my circumstances, if you look at it from like an external point of view, like don't change, I can be in a in a mode where I am experiencing more loneliness subjectively like feeling that aloneness in a sad way but then I can also be in the same exact like circumstances but feeling like the joy of solitude and like not having anyone to Mm. report to and (laughs) (laughs) and um enjoying like oh I guess I'll just like detour today and like play some music or I'll get fast food because I can do that and it's my money and like I don't have to (laughs) you know that's kind of the selfish part of it that goes into the selfish part of it sometimes but it's interesting that whether we're our circumstances might be the same but we might feel subjectively more lonely or feel more like okay in our you know singleness Hmm. you know I there's another situation that I can think of feeling like feeling maybe more aware of my singleness or like wishing oh I like I wish I had that sidekick or that like partner um to talk to and that's like new social settings where (laughs) other people do have that person and I I think of specifically church like visiting a new church Mm -hmm. I think visiting a new church as a single person is very intimidating Especially if you don't know anyone there. Um, Like, you're kind of sitting by yourself on the pew, like, making awkward eye contact with people after the service. Like, are we going to talk to each other and say hi? (laughs) And for some reason, having someone to share in that with, I think 
one, sometimes it, it could be almost more approachable. Like, oh, they're a couple, like, they're normal people because they're interacting <laughs> with at least one other human being right now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you're just, like, you can kind of derive strength from each other mm-hmm. and that experience. Mm-hmm. So I felt, I felt it there. Also, not that this, like, comes up super often, but if you're at, like, a a wedding, for example, of someone that you know well, but you don't really know any of the wedding, like, party or the other people there, mm-hmm. that can be a lonely place. I mean, not just because it's a wedding, like, yes, but also because you don't have anyone you go with. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, everyone can gravitate toward their boyfriend or toward their husband or their cousin, but, like, here I am, like, the awkward single one who doesn't want to over-insert myself into someone's conversation but also right, yeah, doesn't yeah. particularly want to just stand here in the corner of the dance floor <laughs> and, like, make subtle dance movement. Like, <laughs> maybe TikTok this is only stuff. me. <laughs> no, I Dude, totally I need to study some TikTok dance moves before my next wedding. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea, actually. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think I've come to... Or I've arrived at a certain like mental space in again, granted I haven't visited a church since like January because like COVID um, <laughs> you might ask well February but yeah I wasn't going to church in February <laughs> uh-huh. another story for another time but I have uh, yes going to a new church by yourself for me has also been intimidating historically and at this point I've arrived at a sort of like uh, to use a term from therapy, this is dialectical behavioral therapy, <laughs> radical <laughs> acceptance mm. of it is what it is. And guess what? Yeah, I'm alone. And yeah, I'm sitting alone. I'm the only person in this pew. This has happened before. I'm the only <laughs> person in this pew. And this church is not small. Um, but it is what it is. And church should be a place. And there are other contexts too, besides like religious contexts where you're, you would be in a group. And it's supposed to be a place where people can feel welcome and um, you don't have to be anxious because people are going to like shun you because you're sitting alone in a pew. Um, That's the hope at least. And so (laughs) I've kind of decided like, I'm just gonna be like content in this. And like, I'm gonna look at people, not awkwardly, but like, (laughs) I'm not gonna like shy. (laughs) I'm not gonna like shyly kind of like, meep about because I want someone to talk to me um because yeah I just I feel like especially in church like Christians have a duty to their like brothers and sisters in Christ to whether you know them or not like it's you don't even know if they're a Christian like maybe they're just checking out the church like wouldn't you want them to feel welcome and so Mm. I kind of mentally put the onus on other people as much as I put it on myself um, and that helps me feel better because <laughs> it is hard. Uh, there's no getting around that, but yeah. Mm. You know, I appreciate that reframe. Like, you're not destined to have an awful church visit experience because you're single. Like, the church is about so much more than your relationship status. Yeah. Um, yeah. As are, like, our Christian faith in general as is so yeah like first and foremost we're going 
to church to worship God and to be in fellowship with believers. Mm-hmm. And those mm-hmm. things can definitely happen regardless of relationship status or marriage status. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just – good reframe, Lizzie. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think the other, like, bigger thing we wanted to, like, just briefly talk about with singleness as the topic of this episode um, – <clears throat> So we had asked, we had posed the question, like, condemning or praising. And obviously those are, like, two extremes that we've noticed in just society and articles we've read and interactions and conversations we've had. Um, Andrea stumbled upon some interesting um, concepts on the more, like, extreme end of, like, singleness is awesome. Let's, like, make it the end-all be-all kind of. Um, Did you want to say anything about that, what you found there? Sure. Yeah, I, it was really interesting and kind of eye-opening and good to be aware of where some people fall on this spectrum. So there was, uh, I forget wh- what the source was, but there was an article that interviewed Emma Watson. She's one of the people who talked about this idea of self-partnership. And uh, I guess self-partnership is the idea that within each of us is everything that we would need to complete ourselves and to live fully and abundantly and anyone who would bring toxic toxicity into our Mm. pursuit of what I really think is self-actualization I think that's kind Mm. of what they're getting at anyone Mm. who would bring toxic I cannot say that word (laughs) toxicity into that should be um avoided and cut out cut off so there's that idea and then this was a little bit more of like a quirky side (laughs) idea but we both found it kind of funny there is a group in england called the sinkies which stands for single income no kids and then ies at the end um to make it cute (laughs) i mean it's something i don't know if it's cute but (laughs) just you know It's this idea that we're this group of people who is intentionally choosing to support ourselves financially with a career and Mm -hmm. to not have kids. And we're, you know, like sharing this bond together and appreciating living and pursuing our dreams, going on adventures, that kind of thing. Um, And there, there are definitely some positive aspects to both of these ideas. I think learning not to depend on someone else for total happiness or for Mm. honestly just being like entertained like being able to entertain yourself or keep yourself productive like those are good things i would Mm say um but as some might suspect there definitely seems to be some potential hazards walking down toward this end of the spectrum Mm. um I don't want to say too much without giving you a chance to to speak about these, Lizzie. So do you have any additional thoughts about pros or cons of Mm. self-partnership or the Sinkies Sinkies. ideas? (laughs) Um, Well, I like the Sinkies name. I will say that. (laughs) I think they're really cute. Um, And I don't say that uh, patronizingly. I mean that genuinely. I think they're cute. Um, yeah, I think some of, like, kind of just echoing what you said, really, some of the, like, ideas within self-partnership I, like, am on board with as far as basically just, like, having, you know, basically, like, building your own character and building your own, like, Mm. strength and accountability. I think those are good things. 
Um, but I also think that those things pursued like in isolation to their to their end would produce someone I, I don't know I just don't think that that would really produce what people hope it would namely someone who is like warm and gracious and <clears throat> kind um, just because I know I have a tendency toward like if I am out of community and outside of um, just like regular having to like sacrifice of myself um not that i like to do that obviously uh it's painful but it's good because it forces me to not be selfish um mm. and yeah i think building um not, i'm not i'm not saying that people who like promote or <clears throat> identifying with the self-partnership concept are selfish at all um per se I'm just saying that I think that some of the ideas pursued in isolation could lead um, to that. Um, because at least my view of life as a Christian is like that I can't, I'm not self-sufficient. Um, mm. And it's beautiful because even like, even if I'm single for the rest of my life, that's like, the point is not to have another, <coughs> excuse me, another human like fulfill me but to have God fulfill me. Um, and so in that way, I think a Christian can like live in the idea of like this self-partnership maybe slightly, but it's like totally different at the same time. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing I was going to say about the Sinkies um, is I think that, again, England is like has different culture and subculture than the United States of America. But um I feel like the integrating single people, especially young adults or adults who are single, into families and into churches or into other like groups of society so that they feel included and aren't like you know, alone all the time, that isn't happening very well, I don't think, in America. Mm. Um, and so I think groups like the Sinkies are forming out of an, like a necessity to have community um, and mm. I think that the church is starting to do a better job and can continue to do a much better job of being inclusive in that way, um, in making community not just centered around the nuclear family. Yes. Man, I, I so appreciate that line of thought. And I, I think you're right, like, the Sinkies, <laughs> little did they know they were going to be famous on our podcast <laughs> Famous on our own. <laughs> yeah. Um, all five of our listeners will appreciate that. Um, I was going to say that, but then I was like, I'm not going to denigrate us. <laughs> it's true, though. <laughs> Consider it done. But, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I think that there may be something to the Sinkies forming as a way to create this community and to fulfill that that desire to be a part of something and to belong to something and um as I referenced earlier I think uh firsthand I've experienced my church making some great effort and strides in this area mm. um I won't like list every example but man almost every single Sunday there is a woman in the church and a different woman at that who will invite me to sit with her or her family in the pews and you know like that just means so much to me because 
That's so beautiful. It is. It's kind of like there are no walls here. There is mm. there are is no in group and out group. Like we're all part of the same group and therefore it's really not a big deal for you to come and sit with my family and worship with us instead of sitting by yourself. And you know the reality is it's not like I'm conversating with them during the service. Like we're not sure. really even interacting that much. It's literally this simple yet mm. deep concept mm. of belonging. Um, yeah. being there together. So, yeah, I've appreciated that. There's women who have taken me out for meals or just recently one who is really helping me get connected to a small group. And um, I, I definitely do not feel overlooked. I don't feel that I'm being shunned for being single. Not once has someone questioned, like, oh, why are you 25 and not dating anyone? Mm. Um, yeah, I just... I really have felt like I have value that's outside of my relationship status. And I think that reflects the way that God sees each of us. Um, And I I just, yeah, I really Mm -hmm. appreciate that. My church family is making efforts to do that. Um, Yeah. And one thing, as we kind of start to wind down, one question that we wanted to ask is how can we be encouraging a more exploratory and open attitude towards singleness. And I just, I want to kick that off Mm. with um, this little anecdote. So a few Sundays ago at church, there was an elder giving the sermon and it, it happened to be about singleness and marriage. And before he really said anything, he was like, I want to apologize on behalf of our church for the way that we have treated singles. I want to apologize for the way that we have told you sanctification happens best by being married to someone or by being a parent. Mm-hmm. I want to apologize for... Um, that's, that's the one that comes to my mind most mm-hmm. readily. But multiple things and, man, just the posture of humility in that, the posture of, hey, we see you. Um, We know that there are challenges, that there's loneliness, acknowledging it versus keeping it, like approaching it as though it's taboo and shouldn't be talked about. Um, I think that's a great Mm. start. And I don't want to just point fingers and say like, all right, all you married people, (laughs) listen up. You need to to treat us singles like this. Mm. It's definitely a two-way street. Um, I think we also have to be open to the the possibility that we're not defined by being single or, or being married. And be willing mm. to put ourselves into community or into um, different groups as someone who has inherent value. And, um, mm. yeah, so I think it, it goes both ways. Yeah, I love how you phrase that even of, like, being open to the possibility that we're not defined by being single or being married. Because I think mm. that is a very, like, gracious and approachable way of phrasing like I would like I have a very firm like answer to that (laughs) personally (laughs) like with my convictions quite strong um but in talking I think the question of like just having people how can we encourage more exploratory and openness around talking about singleness and marriage and just you know all of that I think how you phrase that was really approachable and like helps generate thinking as opposed to some 
questions, depending on how you phrase them, can generate like defensiveness, like we've mm. seen in some of these articles. <laughs> and I th- and I think that's like rightfully like people are rightfully like, hey, being single is like valid. Like we're not lesser people. Um, and it's unfortunate that there's been a tone in in society of like on both sides of <clears throat> just. I don't know even how to summarize that, <laughs> but um, yeah, I like how you phrase that question. I think another thing, and this doesn't even just apply to singleness. This is just like life <laughs> getting really existential over here. Um, asking questions instead of assuming, or I mean, people are going to assume things no matter what, but like maintaining that like oh there's also a possibility that my assumption's wrong um Mm. and kind of i can feel very misunderstood sometimes um if especially if i'm like meeting someone new (coughs) like in in whatever context and it's like oh like you're 26 and it's like oh you don't have a wedding ring and i just feel the weight of like and maybe i'm assuming (laughs) that they're assuming things about me but like (laughs) um yeah just maintain kind of going back to what you said of maintaining a posture of like open-handedness like there's more to this than I probably realize Mm. and I this like group just popped into my head that we briefly talked about earlier but I want to put it out there too I really um appreciate and respect people who believe their calling is explicitly to be single Mm -hmm. um whether that's a lifelong calling or, like, in a season of life. And um, I think that's that's something to, like, I don't want to say be proud of because, again, mm-hmm. that might be an unhealthy degree mm-hmm. of elevating singleness. But, yeah, I think it's a very valid um, way to live. And there's, man, there's a ton of freedom there's a ton of um, opportunities for serving and for making mm-hmm. an impact and for um, meeting people where they're at just because of the flexibility mm-hmm. of um, being single. And, and often it's not just time flexibility. Sometimes it is financial flexibility or emotional flexibility, um, mm. just having more to give to others. So I... For that group of people, I'm sorry if you felt a little bit left out of this discussion. Like, um, yeah, just wanting to validate people who really feel um, led into a life of singleness. And, um, yeah, Mm. just wanted to get that out there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, guys, that's about all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Letting It Percolate. We hope that you connected with what we talked about in today's episode and that your thoughts have been sufficiently percolated. In the next episode, we'll be asking and answering the question, what misconceptions have we had about God? And we hope that you'll join us. So with that, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time.